We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Road of His College Football Show. I'm your host, Stéphane Lacoe. Sitting here with me is the one, the only Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by the good people at my bookie. Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday afternoon slash early evening? I'm as good as I can be uh, after a, an Ohio State commitment flips to a terrible Pac-12 school. Yeah, how did how did you how did you feel about that? How did you I, feel I'm about signing day in general? What did you think? I were, love were, signing. Were you day. getting like, excited? I spent. Uh, a lot of my day with the uh, CBS Sports HQ feed going through and just going over all the different picks um, and scrolling through. I have a college football recruiting list that I kind of look at throughout the day, which won't even lie is incredibly Buckeye heavy, but I like oh. knowing other schools, but it pretty much is Buckeye info. Sure, um, well, that makes sense. And I'm for me, I, it's always a fun experience I, because for as much as – Lower program schools don't like to admit this. National championships are kind of won on recruiting days. Um, yes, the players need to be- develop. Yes, five stars bust all the time. But if you look at the teams in the top six of the team rankings right now, you'll notice that there are a lot of national championship contenders. So, I mean, it's fun. And, I mean, other than one lost commit in uh, a class, it, I won't ever really be that upset about Right, right. How? What did you think about the the day in general? Any any big surprises for you? Anything that uh, any big any big takeaways? I mean, LSU had a chance to be the number one overall class. They going into the day, you would have thought that LSU was the favorite to finish with the top class. And I mean, first it was Raheem Jarrett, which I'm going to be honest with you. 
it didn't even cross my mind that Raheem Jarrett would flip. That guy I thought was locked and loaded. I know there was times mid-season when he was kind of like iffy with the program, but every time you you would hear something out of his camp, it would sound like, "Nah, we're we're I mean, we're we're doing our like due diligence on stuff, but we're we're signing with this program and with the way they made recruits look this year and their five stars look, I thought they got him. It's guaranteed. And then he flipped to Maryland and then they lost Jermaine Burton, I think is his name. They lost him at the end of the day. So LSU, I mean, I was floored to see them have a bad day. And then, I mean, you were upset. I like that you started off our show doc with uh, two. You have two. You, oh, we lost out on, Shre- on Stroud and Johnny Wilson. And well, that was it. Was early in the day before before the rest of the news. I'm sorry, you already had it. Noah Sewell in your class. Yeah, you were, yeah, yeah. I I heard the two defensive players, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell, that you guys had. I heard them compared to. It's like if you got Devin White and Ruben Foster in the same class. <laughs> wah yeah. wah! You guys got Kayvon Thibodeau last year. Your defense is going to be dynamic. Um, right, right. So I think they had a great day, and yeah, I mean. USC. <laughs> that was a big one for me. Like they are what, like around the fiftieth, fiftieth school right now. Are they that high? Take? They were at one point below Bowling Green, which made me giggle. Uh, um, yeah, I thought they went out, got up to forty six, but maybe it was seventy six. Maybe let me see. Maybe let's mis- see what their uh, current team ranking is. Yeah, I was driving back over the mountains yesterday. We we had to make a, a little emergency trip over over the mountains to see family, and. Uh, so yeah, I was in the car for six hours yesterday. My wife was driving, and so I was just on my phone, like keeping up with everything and uh, watching way too many uh, Justin Flo highlights. Man, that boy can hit. Yeah, he, he can hit so hard. Uh, but yeah, I thought Oregon had a great day. We 79th. also signed. There what? By the way, USC is seventy ninth. They're last 79th. in the Pac twelve. Okay. Well, yeah, that's not that's not great. Uh, but we also Oregon also signed a couple of quarterbacks. They got a guy out of Alabama, Ashford, who who I'm excited about. Uh, he's a yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see what happens. It's always you know I get really excited, and then uh, for Oregon, they don't often play a ton of freshmen, you know. So it's uh, it's wait and see. And I think you'll see one of Flo or Sewell next year. Yes, one I, of I, I think see that's I think that's that's true. And and there there's going to be some 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 room in that linebacker. Uh, that linebacker room for them to really express themselves, which will be, which will be really, really fun. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, it's always a fun day for me. I, um, I'm an avid, I've talked about this numerous times in the show. I love like the old school NCAA football games and the old Xbox 360, you know, and my favorite part of that game is like the recruiting. <laughs> like I, yeah. I the, the, the game itself is fine, but the recruiting is really where it's at. So I, I really nerd out on, uh, on signing day. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun for me. So it's uh, it's just time to nerd out a little bit and uh, get excited about a bunch of high school seniors, <laughs> which yeah. is really weird. And, what do you think? And about we are, it? Since we are a fantasy show, I I, I do think uh, we should talk a little bit about some of the guys who we think are have the potential to make a jump. Um, uh, it's going to sound biased, but Julian Fleming looks like one of the better receivers that have come out of high school in a long time. Um, he went. He committed to Ohio State. They think he's going to be an instant impact type player. If he does break out next year, keep an eye on him because that'll be a type of guy that you want to get. Um, the two top quarterbacks in this class are, ooh, did I say? Yeah. Uh, DJ Longalele, um, who went to Clemson. He's going to, I mean, he'll sit next year, but they kind of tagged him as the next great quarterback prospect. 
And then the other one went to Alabama, and that is Bryce Young. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He's a little short for um, my preference, but at the same time, we've seen shorter quarterbacks find success in the NFL. Um, And then running back-wise, I wish you went to a different program because I just hate the way they use running backs right now. But B. John Robinson, uh, he went to Texas over in Ohio State, um, but – he is my favorite running back in this class. He looks like he is very capable with his hands and has the out, could become a uh, very quality pass catching running back. And that's always something to look forward to. And then we mentioned him earlier. I do think Raheem Jarrett will, or has the potential to become the next Stefan Diggs at Maryland. Yeah. I, I was surprised he went to Maryland. Um, it, it seemed like a, a bit of a, a bit of a shock to me, uh, but Hey, Loxley can he, recruit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I also wanted to touch just a little bit, uh, not in the show doc, so I'm going to just spur of the moment here. Uh, both our teams lost a coordinator uh, to to an you know coaching openings in, in other places. How how do, how do you feel about about that? Some of the uh, the big the big D coordinator for you guys uh, moving on. How how well, do he's you? Uh, a, had we had him, had he not taken this Boston College job, we would not have had this player flip to Utah. It, the kid came out today and said the the number one reason he flipped to Utah was because they had coaching staff stability and Ohio State had just lost the guy who recruited him. So disappointed Jeff Halfley was uh, the number three recruiter in um, all the uh, college football according to two or 24-7's uh, recruiter rankings. He had brought in six commitments to the class. He was uh, our defensive back coach. I really liked him. He was a young, high energy guy that was, um, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, when we brought him on, there was a lot of hand wringing about, oh, we're supposed to get guys that are established. We're not supposed to be looking for um, guys looking for their first opportunity, but he proved everyone wrong. And I mean, turned around a defense that really struggled the prior year. So disappointed to see him go. But honestly, when you get a pro or when you get a head coaching job at a school that you'll have familiarity with, which he's familiar with the Boston College program, and he wanted to be on the East Coast. Good for him. I think it's a tough job, um, and it's going to be interesting to see because he's probably going to have to like make his mark in New Jersey, which is slowly becoming a crowded area. Um, and if he's, but if he's able to pull talent out of New Jersey and Western Pennsylvania, he'll find success. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The Northeast really is a difficult place for, or can be a difficult place for recruiting. Uh, I lived in Connecticut for a long time, and, and UConn for a while there was doing pretty well. Uh, and now they're one of the worst teams in in, uh, in the country. It's just really hard. Once you lose a really good coach, it's hard to to get players to come up there. Uh, but yeah, hopefully he'll be able to to make some some move some movement there. Um, and then uh, Marcus Arroyo, offensive coordinator for. Uh, my Oregon Ducks is also on his way out. He he took the head coaching job at UNLV. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, as a Ducks fan, I don't mind so much. I kind of felt like, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I felt like the Ducks offense kind of underwhelmed this year. Uh, I I was, you know, not entirely impressed with uh, with what the offense was, with Herbert being there and that offensive line and, and some talented running backs. I know our wide receiver core was thin, especially early in the year before Juwan um, Johnson was healthy. 
I, but, but still, I just thought it was, it wasn't dynamic enough. It wasn't, uh, what I hoped it would be. So, so maybe, you know, with new coaching, we can, uh, we can see a little bit more from that, but, uh, but, but, but good for him. I think it's always interesting, uh, when offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators move on to other schools, uh, to, uh, yeah, to, to, to try their chops at head coaching is a different gig. I don't think people realize how, uh, being an offensive coordinator or defense coordinator is, is completely different than being the main man at the school. Um, when it comes to football activity, I think it's always interesting to hear them say that like, it's, it's like going from being a key member of a team to being the CEO. Yeah. There's, there's just so many aspects of you're not being, it's, you can be a great coach and be a terrible head coach. And it's mostly based on, are you able to, really lean into that role of you have to own every bit of everything. And I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I, I always find uh, it to be a challenge for a lot of these coordinators to make that leap. And it'll be interesting. I, I think Arroyo will have some success there because he came out of a place where recruiting was such a, it, it really is turned into the backbone. And I think that'll be good for him. Yeah, for sure. One of the, uh, just sticking with the PAC 12 and talking about uh, coordinators switching to head coaching uh, one of the things I thought was interesting was uh, University of Washington losing Peterson and Jimmy Lake kind of taking the reins, uh, the defensive coordinator, just staying uh, staying in and getting that promotion from within. They didn't lose any recruits. Uh, they they kept their whole class intact, which I thought was a real testament to what uh, the Huskies are doing there in Seattle and, and the kind of guy that Jimmy Lake is, the type of leader he is. And I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I mean, I, I know they had a really down year this year, the Huskies did. I know they, we all, I know I, I expected them to be challenging for the Pac 12 and they barely, they barely were bowl eligible when it, when all was said and done with some really bad losses on their resume. But I think, uh, I think everything is, is looking, looking good. I was really curious to see what was going to happen with, uh, with their recruiting class, but it didn't look like anyone, anyone left or flipped. I think there's still two guys that are, uh, you know, kind of to be determined, but it looks like all the, all the main players are still going to be there for, for the Huskies. So that was interesting too, just seeing that they were able to, uh, to remain on, on schedule with what they were wanting to do there. Yeah. If anything, he, uh, he got Covington, who I believe was once committed to the program. Yes. Jacoby yeah. Covington was, he was a guy who decommitted and then recommitted to the program. And I think that's probably, has a lot to do with the fact that they did keep that interpersonnel replacement um, with Jimmy Lake. And I think it, it was a testament to how right. good he closed. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking of closing, um, if, you, if you're looking to really finish out the year strong, uh, you need to head over to my bookie and, and really take advantage of what they've got going on. It's the Christmas season. Uh, the 25th is just right around the corner. And uh, MyBookie wants to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. So MyBookie is already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry. You hear us talking about them all the time. This holiday season, they're getting in the spirit of giving with 12 straight days of giveaway. That's right, 12 days of gifts, a brand new gift every single day so you can take your game to the next level. They kicked off the promotion on the 14th, which was just a couple of days ago. But it's still going. We're still in the front end of it, so you still have plenty of opportunity to take advantage of this. Uh, they um, they're giving free bets, free spins, futures, and more. Uh, while Santa has his, they've checked off their list. They've got a little something for everyone, and in this promotion, you won't want to miss. Especially with the NBA and NHL in full swing, we've got the bowl games, of course, coming right around the corner, uh, which we are going to be previewing very soon. Uh, the, the holiday season is here. So parlays, teasers, specials, anything you could ever ask for, MyBookie is here to make Christmas great. Head over to MyBookie.com. 
AG right now and use the promo code ROTOVIZ to get half of your initial deposit in free wagers. And that's just the start of your savings. Make sure to check out the site during this promotion because they're going to be doing something new every single day. You want to take advantage of these deals. Again, you're going to want to go to mybookie.ag and use our code ROTOVIZ and start winning today. Now, Matthew, before we get into our uh, our picks, our locks, Let's just talk a little bit about uh, some of these big bowl games that we have coming up. We did a really quick overview the other day. Let's jump into it now. Uh, let's start off with a game that you said you were really looking forward to, Minnesota versus Auburn. Auburn favored by 7.5 here. I- I'd love to know kind of where you're leaning on this one now that you've, you've had a little bit more time to think about it. And uh, yeah, just kind of what, what you think is going to take place in this in this match. I think this is probably a situation where Auburn's defensive line overwhelms um, I'll be interested to see in the lead up if they have any players that decide to sit out because it is sort of a quote unquote meaningless bowl game. Um, but there are going to be a few elements. I think this is a game where if you're going to take Minnesota, you want them to hit early um, because they're going to the best path for them to win is where they be, have a few explosive plays and Auburn is forced to lean on Bo Nix to bring them back. Um, with that being said, I think Auburn's going to take it. I do think they'll probably cover the spread of seven and a half. Um, and I think it'll be a wit low game. I don't think it'll be Bo Nix. I think it'll be low scoring. I'll, I'm not sure what the over under is on it. I think it's, if I had to guess, it's probably somewhere in the forties. It's 53. It's what? 53. Oh, 53 bet the under Auburn is a great under team because they play great defense and run the ball bet the under. Yeah. I don't think these two teams have ever played each other, at least not in a long time. So, so that's kind of fun. It, it's it's Minnesota is a fun team. I, I mentioned earlier uh, in the season that they they've become a team that I've rooted for. I think just hearing you and Jordan talk up their receivers so much, it's uh, it's been fun watching them. And Auburn, of course, they uh, they spat in my soup to start the year, so to speak. I don't know if that's an expression. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed with uh, Oregon losing them to to start the start the year. So I'm definitely uh, hoping that they uh, they can't handle it. But uh, against the spread this year, Auburn is nine and three, while Minnesota is six four and two. Um, I also think that you know I, I think it's going to be a close game, but that seven that that seven points doesn't seem um, maybe to be enough. Well, I guess it's seven and a half. I, I'm you know what I'm going to go with Minnesota on this one. This is not a lock for me. I didn't do a whole lot of research, but I think Minnesota can keep it close. Uh, I know they got just completely outmanned by uh, Wisconsin, but I think uh, they'll be able to hang a little bit tougher with Auburn. Um, Bo Nix didn't travel quite as well as he, as he did when, as he played when he was at home. Uh, so, so maybe road Nix is, uh, yeah, isn't up for what, what Minnesota wants to do here. So I'm kind of leaning that way, but uh, I don't have a real strong take on this one. Where do you want to go next? What's another game you're really looking forward to? Let's climb right right up our board we got in front of us. Uh, so Utah minus seven against Texas. Uh, screw you, Utah. I'm mad at you. <laughs> um, stop trying to troll us with stupid tweets saying the University of Utah. Shut up. No one cares about you. Um, with that being said, I do kind of like them in this spot. I think Texas is really overrated, um, and I don't see a reason why they're gonna why. Tom Herbin's going to be able to get his team motivated coming into this game. He essentially fired or demoted all of the meaningful parts of his defensive staff and brought in a replacement, but I don't think the replacement Chris Ash is going to be leading them. I think this is a spot where Utah is kind of able to score however they want to. 
I don't think Utah's offense, I mean, Texas's offense is going to be super high powered. They do have one guy like Devin Duvernay. Um, if he breaks off a couple of explosive plays, maybe they keep it close. But we've talked about it in the past. Utah's defense is really solid. I'd like them to uh, win this one and probably in a higher scoring game than Utah has been traditionally doing. Yeah, I'm mad at them right now, so I don't want to like fully lean into Utah. But yeah, Utah's going to take it probably kind of comfortably. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, this is actually um, a lock for me. So I'll, I'll give my uh, some of my little... Uh, I hate the word nugget, so I'm not going to use it. Uh, I'll give some of my reasons uh, for for why I'm I'm going with Utah on this one. But I think you you said it really well. I do think Texas is is a bit overrated. And we talked about Utah uh, last week when we were talking about uh, the Oregon game, the Pac-12 championship game. And if they didn't start off with such uh, miserable luck, you know, missing a fourth down, getting a uh, blocked punt, the, the the whole outcome of that game could have been different. Uh, they ended up climbing back into it uh, in the second half before Oregon shut the door on them with that, you know, 75-yard uh, Verdale touchdown run. Actually, it's only a 70-yard run. Um, but before that, they I just think they got a little unlucky. I don't think that happens against Texas. I think they're going to be able to... To, to hang in there early and then just, you know, I think as the game goes on, they're going to just uh, increase that lead. I think at halftime it might be, you know, we might be sweating this one, but by the, by, by the end when it's all said and done, Utah will be, uh, you know, leading with a very comfortable margin. And I don't think the the touchdown was, is really going to come into play. So this is a lot for me. I'll give you a little bit more later. Uh, Georgia. Screw yeah. Utah. <laughs> hey, it was good for Oregon. And that's, what's, that's what matters. I don't care. I'm mad at them. They yeah. suck. Um, Georgia minus six and a half versus Baylor. This one's interesting. I think the over under on this game is like 41. So Vegas is anticipating a very a 41 and a half. Excuse me. Uh, Vegas is anticipating a very low scoring affair. Uh, so what do you think? Six and a half points in a low scoring game. Most likely where you lean in on this. See, this one to me feels like the spot where um, every year there's an SEC team that comes out flat and just looks terrible. Um, and I want this to be the spot. Uh, this is the one where I kind of think that they will come out flat. Honestly, this is probably my least favorite game. I may have last week said it was one of my favorites, but I'm going to be honest. I hate this game. Unless they somehow unleash Jake Fromm and let him be a good quarterback, this game's going to be incredibly boring because Georgia's defense is really good on the back end traditionally, and they do get decent pass rush. They did against LSU, which just Joe Burrow is a G. But I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for Baylor in this game. I really hope it's not Zeno because they they won't be able to score points. I think there's a chance Georgia pulls a shutout in this game. 41 may honestly not be low enough, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if that number gets down under 40 you might be looking at a 39 and a half by kickoff yeah that's crazy <laughs> but i would take georgia i think they went in a shutout wow that's that is a bold call there <laughs> is it a shutout yeah i mean who's good on baylor it, mims yeah, they've got that yeah who's throwing mims the ball that's a, that's a good point that's a really good point that's fair but you saw what they did to that vaunted sooner defense yeah <laughs> no uh the, i don't the think defense that's been uh given credit by saying they're average this year right right i i think baylor is gonna struggle i i lean georgia minus six and a half in this one and, and but yeah i i don't know if a, a shutouts in the cards but i do think it'll be a low scoring game 
Um, Baylor scoring negative points in this game. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, let, I I think I'm off the rails. I think tonight. you need to take that one to the bank right there. I'm sure you can get some good action on that. Uh, let's head over to the Citrus Bowl. We've got Michigan, Alabama. Seven is the number. This one is on my card, and I'm super nervous about it because you were talking about how sometimes SEC teams can come out flat. Uh, I'm nervous, a little nervous about the the potential of that happening for Bama. Um, where, where where are you landing on this one? This was the spot where I expected that it was going to be the Jalen Waddle show because I thought that Judy would sit out. I thought Smith would sit out. I thought Ruggs would, sh- would sit out. Um, so far, all of them are playing, and I'm sort of flabbergasted by it. Now, I won't be surprised if this is a spot where they're playing with like heavy air quotes around it and that they pull them as soon as they can. And by as soon as they can, I don't necessarily mean when the game is in hand. It's when they do something that makes the game worthy for them. Sure. But hmm, I want Michigan to win, and that hurts me in my core that I want them to win this game. But, man, I think Alabama's a decent team. I think Mac Jones is takes them back to a bygone era of Alabama when they're just trying to score enough on offense. They're not trying to blow teams up, but they're trying to score enough. And I don't want to pick it. I'm picking Michigan. I don't care. I'll take them. I'm going to feel dirty. I'm going to go <laughs> have to shower after this. I'm taking Michigan to cover. Who's the best quarterback on the field in this game? Shea Patterson you by a mile. By a mile. I actually think shape. I actually, honestly, I, I think we have to give credit to where it's due. I think as the season progressed, because you were started hater. to, un, I'm, I hate shape. He plays for Michigan. What do you want me to no, do? No, no. But you um, didn't think he was a very good quarterback. I didn't. And at the beginning of the year, he wasn't. Now, I also think it showed that Shea Patterson does a Shea Patterson thing every game. He did it against Ohio state with the fumble and he throws a pick. He'll make one or two stupid plays in this game. But I actually think Alabama's defense is still beatable. They have not been um, really this defensive juggernaut. They let up 40 points against, was it 40 against Auburn? Like they let up an absurd amount of points against an Auburn offense that isn't very good. Two picks they let up. Game, but yes. I don't care. They, <laughs> I, then they still let up a, a ton of, like they let up more yeah. than three touchdowns to an Auburn team that isn't very good. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think my reasoning on this is essentially Shea Patterson did progress. My concern is that they did have one wide receiver who is talented. Um, He hasn't been super productive, but they had a talented wide receiver leave the program in Tariq Black. But I think that guys like Nico Collins and Peoples Jones, they do see the benefit of this being a spot where they're on a big stage and a big performance against a vaunted SEC defense could actually help their stock um, entering the draft season. So I won't be shocked if Michigan's passing attack finds a decent amount of success. And yeah, I'm taking Michigan as pretty much because I, I don't want to pick Mac Jones. Yeah. I'm sticking with Bama. As I said, uh, this it's is reasonable. This is a lock for me and I'll give you some of my reasons why later, but uh, yeah, the, <laughs> Bill, Bill Connolly's article. Did you see that today? on Twitter. No. Uh basically it's just like the narrative like how this could roll out. Um and you know, it's like one of two things could happen, you know. And, and his whole thing is that 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 fear that Bama just doesn't show up because like 
it's the Citrus Bowl and they were wanting to play in a playoff game. So, um, but you never know what's going to happen. They could also be like, you know what? Let's finish this on a high note. Let's let these, all the guys leaving, leave on top, you know, and we're the better team. Let's go stomp Michigan into, into the dirt. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, when, whenever those, those narratives, I, I find it really difficult to buy into because you, while hindsight can maybe show us what happened, <laughs> it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. Like we could, it could, it could be either sides of that, either side of that coin. And uh, I'm just going to stick with who I think the better team is. And yeah, Bama with a touchdown feels right to me. Uh, Wisconsin, Oregon, Rose Bowl. Oregon is an underdog, two and a half points underdog, in fact. Where are you landing on this one? I don't know, to be honest. This one's a close one for me. I think uh, the best player on the field is on Wisconsin's side. Um, even if I'm not the biggest fan of Jonathan Taylor, I do think he's the best player in this game. Are they going to say Cone? No, Cone <laughs> sucks. Um, I, I think Wisconsin proved that they're capable of playing a slightly confusing defense. In both games against Ohio State, they were able to confuse fields by changing up their scheme. And I'm I'm going to hurt your feelings here and say, Justin Herbert isn't as good as Justin Fields, and they're running backs as good as they are and as um, good as they've been this season. They're not quite the level of J.K. Dobbins, and I don't think you're going to find the success running the ball enough to wear out Wisconsin. With that being said, I think it's a close game. Um, I think I'm going to take Wisconsin just because I think this is a spot where Oregon could, like, they're, Oregon's either going to come out buzzsaw or they're going to come out flat. And I don't think there's really much of a middle ground. I'm going to bet on Justin Herbert not being that good. Sure. I think that's fair. And and I don't think Justin Herbert is is the reason why I'm picking Oregon here. Uh, it's It's our offensive line. I mean... Dobbins was able to to car, carve this this team up not too long ago. I think he had 170 yards rushing or or something like that. And while yes, I think Dobbins is a superior running back than Verdell or Die, um, I think our offensive line is is one of the best in the country. And it'll be a fun matchup to see uh, those yeah, just to see what happens on the line of scrimmage, both on offense and defense for both these teams because uh, it's really um, strength versus strength. And it'll be exciting to see what what can happen. I think Justin Herbert's going to need to make a couple of big throws, um, and if he can do that, I think Oregon will will win this game. It's going to be it's going to be a good one. It's going to be I like you said. I think it's close. I I think it's the, the right number. I think minus two and a half for Wisconsin sounds about right to me. Um, but I wouldn't have been. It's moving up. So if you do on Oregon, keep waiting because the line is now in some spots up as high as three. Oh, so. okay. That's, that's good to know. I, yeah, I, I don't have this one as a lock. I, I don't often put money on Oregon actually winning games. Uh, over unders is where I like to play with, with Oregon, but, but, uh, even that trend has, they, they're not really in the under category as much anymore. They've been scoring a lot of points and giving up a lot of points. Uh, the one thing that scares me is, uh, just that, that Arizona state game, um, you know, they, they fought so hard to get back into it, but it was too little too late. And uh, yeah, if they if they struggle early and Wisconsin gets out to a lead, that could be difficult because as as explosive as the Oregon offense can be, they're a run first football team and they have been for a long time. And people forget that uh, because of what Marcus Mariota was doing and uh, even Herbert, people want to see they, they assume that there's these huge passing numbers, but the offense really does run around the uh, the, uh, the the running game. So uh, if, if they're not able to uh, 
to you know come out sharp it, it could be it could be a rough 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 game but i think they'll be good i think they'll be uh they'll be motivated ready to play it's the rose bowl uh i'm, I'm sure they're disappointed that they're not in the playoff but i mean this is this is huge uh it's a it's a big one i don't think any anyone's you know disappointed that they're not playing in a in a good good bowl game because this is you know this is the granddaddy of them all after all so um it'll be fun i'm, I'm really excited for it i think yeah i think it'll be uh It'll be good. I'm going to go ahead and say Oregon wins uh, outright. So, uh, but I'm very rarely, I'm very rarely a a, a rah rah uh, Oregon homer. But today I am. <laughs> I feel the same way about Ohio State. Yeah, but you always feel like Ohio State's going to win. It's because I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to the less lesser of the two uh, playoff games: Clemson versus LSU. Uh, big big number on this one. LSU favored by two touchdowns. Uh, the line is up to fourteen. I think it was actually at sixteen at one point, and it's down to fourteen. Uh, where where are you landing on this one? That number's huge. I want to be on Oklahoma's side. I just want to put this out there before I go into tearing down Oklahoma. I want to be on their side. I'm taking LSU. Uh, my reasoning: I don't think Oklahoma has any room for error in this game. Um, if they come out slow like they did last year against Alabama, they'll get run off the field. If they uh, have a turnover in a bad spot, they'll get run off the field. If they get stopped on back-to-back drives, they'll get run off the field. LSU's offense is not going to get stopped by an average defense. They're probably only going to get stopped by super-duper like elite defenses, and even they're going to struggle against them. Um, and then to top it all off, Oklahoma's going to be running um, pretty much exclusively Kennedy Brooks in this game because I can't say his name. Ramondre Stevenson right. was suspended. Yeah. Uh, Trajan Bridges um, was suspended. He's a freshman wide receiver. And Ronnie Jones was suspended, who is their top pass rusher. They're in trouble. So their really average defense lost its top pass rusher. So I don't exactly see how they're getting a stop in this game. If you're... An LSU backer, you do need to be a little bit concerned. It sounds like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is banged up. Maybe this is the first time we see uh, John Emery get any significant run. If it is, I don't know if he's better. I think Edwards-Hilaire is pretty good. Um, But I I just don't see anyone on Oklahoma's defense that is able to stop um, Jefferson or Chase. And when that's the case and they're not getting a substantial pass rush, I, I don't see a way where Oklahoma is really getting more than one or two stops the entire game. And I think LSU's defense, as mediocre as it is, will be able to force Jalen Hurts into one of his turnovers. Yeah, and he does have a tendency to turn the ball over. But like you said, this is worth noting. How the hell was he the second best player in the country this year? That was garbage. Yeah. Him getting second in the Heisman is absolute garbage. Who, who would, Sorry, Jalen Hurts. I know I picked you preseason. <laughs> garbage. Who would who would you have voted for? What order? It would have been it would have been Chase Young second. Um, you would have gone Burrow uh, first. I would have gone. Yeah, I mean Burrow was the winner. He deserved to win. Uh, I do think that people overlook Justin Fields and how good he really was. But I think Chase Young was the best player in the country. But he was not the most outstanding player in the country. And that's a little bit weird, but I think that Joe Burrow blowing up every record in the book um, was absolutely worthwhile. But I mean, Jalen hurts 
tried to lose them games on several occasions. So I don't understand how he got second. I, I would have put him fourth of the bunch there. And heck, I probably would have put Dobbins ahead of him. I might have put Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that because it's, they're not quarterbacks. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, and then I also, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think the turnovers could be a huge problem uh, if, if they, you know, rear their ugly head in this one. Uh, it could be over pretty early for Oklahoma. Uh, and while I don't think the uh, outcome, though, I, I think we're going to be pretty clear on LSU winning this game uh, throughout. I think Oklahoma is going to be able to keep it between 10 and 17. Uh, maybe it'll dip down to 20 at one point, but then they'll fight their way back into it. And I think they end the, end the game getting a, a backdoor cover. Uh, and th- therefore I'm picking Oklahoma because the number is just so big. Uh, yeah. So um, again, uh, this is another one that I, uh, I I have in my lock, so I'll give you a couple more uh, little uh, reasons why in a minute. Let's get to the uh, the main event here as far as uh, as you're concerned. Uh, Clemson versus Ohio State. As far as everyone's as concerned. As far as the, the world is concerned, Clemson versus Ohio State. Uh, the line hasn't been moving too, too much since you locked it in uh, last right now, yeah. week. So has anything changed for you um, since we recorded however long ago? No, but I actually have money on it now. Uh, so last weekend after recording, I uh, I had to go out and cash some Florida Atlantic Conference Championship tickets. And while I was there, I said, well, I'm here. I'm a homer. I'm going to go put some money down on Ohio State Moneyline. Now, this is where I was stupid because had I waited until today, I would have gotten, eh, I might not have gotten much better odds. But I got at plus 106, so barely above even yeah. for them to win. And looks like it's, yeah, it's looking like 106. Now. Yeah, I'm seeing 115 in certain books. But had I waited till kickoff, there's a chance that money line number goes a little bit higher. And I feel like I should explain to our listeners why I went money line and not taking points. If Ohio State loses by one point and I win that ticket, I have no desire to go out and drive out to a casino, which is 45 minutes away and cash a ticket when I'm angry about the results. (laughs) So to be honest, I only want to go there with a celebratory ticket. And yeah, now I do think we have to point out the disrespect Ohio State has gotten in this game. Not only is basically everybody picking Clemson, a lot of people are thinking that this won't even really be a game and that most of the Vegas sharp money has actually come in on Clemson. I don't think people really understand how dominant Ohio State was and the amount of effort they had to put into the final three weeks of the year by comparison to what Clemson did. I get it. Clemson was also very dominant, and the way that Ohio State beat teams middle of the year was very comparable to the way that Clemson was beating teams. The difference is... Everyone all of a sudden decided Ohio State sucked when they were beating top 10, top 12, top 15 teams in a row by double digits. And it's sort of funny because Clemson hasn't beaten anybody that was at the caliber of Wisconsin. Clemson hasn't beaten anybody that was at the caliber of Penn State. And Clemson hasn't beaten anybody the caliber of Michigan. But there's everyone is certain that they will come out there and be the better team that night. I think this Clemson team is a very good team. I think in a lot of years you could have made a case that they were the number one team in the country. I think that Ohio State has been disrespected. I think it was laughable that Grant Delpit won the Thorpe Award 
over Jeffrey Okuda when their pass defense was garbage this year. I think it was laughable that ESPN forgot to mention Ohio State among DBU conversation when they've had just as many first-round picks taken as all of them. And I think it is laughable that every one of the CBS experts, except for one who just recently changed it, um, is taking Clemson. Ohio State's team is not getting enough respect. Not only are they a live dog, I think they should probably be a slight favorite. Yeah, I I actually agree with you, which is hard hard to say. <laughs> I I only am wrong when I rant every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, no, I I think I mean, which team is ranked number two? Which team is ranked number three? Like it's I mean I know that's kind of arbitrary at this point because they're all undefeated, but there's a reason why Ohio State is ranked ahead of Clemson. It's because they had a much more a challenging path to get here and they took care of business and they've got just as much talent. I mean, they've got the best player. I mean, the best player on the field is, is wearing a Buckeye Jersey, you know, like chase young is going to be the best player on that field. And I know Lawrence is amazing, but uh, fields is no slouch. You know, you've got Etienne, you've got Dobbins. And there's a lot, this is me at a really fun game for, for the neutral um, viewer like myself. Uh, and, and I, I'm shocked it's not a pick 'em, uh, to be honest with you. And I know two is a is a, is a small number, or two and a half, where it started. Uh, but but I agree. I think it is pretty pretty crazy that uh, people are just already, um, you know, penciling in Clemson for the national championship game. I think you know history is on their side lately with you know their their big their big performances against Alabama and uh, just you know how they were able to take care of business over the past few seasons. But Ohio State's been right there too. So so I'm with you. I think this is going to be a great game. Um, if if I was betting on this one, I would go because I think it should be a pick 'em. I would go with the points, and I, I would I would bet on Ohio State too. So I think that's the the right call. But I don't actually have a play on that. But that that is uh, one of your one of your locks. So why don't you give us uh, unless if you want to say a little bit more about that lock of Ohio State? Well, that was my lock last yeah. week that I had on there. Um, I like I said, I think that Ohio State could justifiably be a favorite. I probably I. I I would recommend taking the money line because I think there's a decent chance they win outright. Right. So yeah. now give me another one. That's uh, let's move on to these locks right. here. Let's jump into uh central Michigan, San Diego state over 40 um, low number. San Diego state is one and 11 against the number on overs. Um, that sucks. But because of that, the number's 40 central Michigan was nine and four on overs on the year. And of their 11 games, this year, 10 of them went over a total of 40. S&P Plus has this game at 43.3. Little bit closer than I uh, would hope, but I also do think that the Central Michigan team is uh, pretty well coached right now, and I think they'll be able to score some points. I like it. I'm going to go with one of my overs. I've got Buffalo versus Charlotte, which I think is our very first of the bowl games. Uh, and I'm going over the number I saw was 51 and a half. I've seen it all over the place, actually. Uh, but the total has gone over in five of Buffalo's last five games. And for Charlotte, 10 of their last 15 games. Uh, both teams average about 31 and a half points per game. Uh, I think one is like 31.5 and one is 31.58. So they're they're both, you know, scoring lots of points. Both offenses uh, can move the football. So to me, uh, I feel like I'm getting a, a pretty good number here. So uh that's that's my first lock is the over in buffalo versus charlotte back to you matthew i'm gonna go with uh i'm rooting against jeff halfley's team so i'm taking cincinnati minus seven against boston college boston college is playing with an interim head coach like i said they their current head coach jeff halfley is not coaching their team he's worried about clemson right now also Clem, uh, boston college their entire offense pretty much revolves around one player that player's name is aj dillon uh 
and they run the ball 67.5% of their plays. Um, AJ Dillon's not playing. Um, and that, like I said, pretty much the center of their offense. SB Plus has UC as a 14.8 point favorite in this wow. game. And their defense tends to be pretty good, whereas Boston College defense tends to be a little bit porous this season. I think this is a spot where Cincinnati is able to get up by about 10 and will bleed the clock by running the ball with a combination of Michael Warren and Ritter. All right. I like it. That was a very convincing argument. Um, just for the record, uh, the the lock um, that I had from last week is SMU minus three versus FAU. Uh, FAU also, you know, uh, their coach is also gone um, off to uh, to Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss, that is. So uh, I, I'm going SMU minus three. Uh, that was from last week. So that one's already on the docket. But uh, if I had to tell you that there's a team out there that I have been super negative on all year, um, and there are seven point favorites against a team that we both thought was very exciting. Um, I think you know where I'm going on this one. Oklahoma State plus seven versus Texas A&M. I don't think Texas A&M is all that good. I think Oklahoma State. What? <laughs> I think Oklahoma State has um has the capabilities, and and I think uh, not only to to keep this close, but even to possibly win this game outright. Uh, Oklahoma State is nine and three against the spread in the last twelve games. Uh, Oklahoma State is also 4-0-1 oh, against the spread in the last five games against Texas A&M. They are 8-1 and one in the last game as an underdog, and it's tough to pass uh, getting seven points in this one. So uh, Oklahoma State plus seven versus a Texas A&M team that I think is overrated. I think just like kind of how you feel about Texas is how I feel about Texas A&M. Uh, so yeah, give me those seven points, and I'll uh, I'll take it to the bank with Oklahoma State. Well, I like that you went with a team that you don't like. Uh and just picking against him. I'm going to go uh, super narrative street here, and I think you'll enjoy this one. Um, is it fun to root for coaches that are retiring, not because they were pushed out, but because they uh, were just a little bit bored and didn't like the spotlight? It is. I'm taking Washington minus three and a half against Boise State. S&P Plus has this game as a 10.8 point favorite. Um, Washington is quietly top 10 in offensive S&P Plus. They're going to be able to score a decent amount of points of this game. And with Chris Peterson uh, leaving, I think the Huskies come out there a little more fired up than they do for some of their regular season spots. Don't see any real chance for a letdown here. I do think it'll be high scoring, though. I think this will be a fun game. I'm going to say that Washington wins this game by a touchdown. I wanted to put this one on, but uh, I can't bet on Boise games because I said I wasn't going to. Uh, I'm not allowed to vote uh, to bet on Boise or Iowa games because of uh, statements I've made on this podcast. Uh, but I think you're on the right side of this. I think the players are fired up. I also think like Jacob Eason has a lot to prove. Uh, if he wants, if he wants to be taken seriously as an NFL prospect, uh, he needs to have a, a good, solid performance here because. His season was very inconsistent, uh, but we've seen Washington when they're when they're dialed in, uh, when they're right, they are a very very good offense. I think this is a, a really good pick, and uh, yeah, it's, yeah, Peterson going uh, in his last game, he gets to go against his old team, which is kind of which is kind of fun too. So uh, yeah, I like that one. Let's uh, keep it in the Pac-12 for me. I'm going Utah minus six versus Texas. Texas as an underdog this season was zero and five. Those are not great numbers. Utah uh, is eight and one straight up and against the spread in their last nine games as a favorite. That one loss we all know about all too well. We've mentioned it already, uh, my Oregon Ducks. But I think Utah's a really, really solid team. Uh, Jordan's been talking about them all year. You've been talking about them all year. 
the offense, defense, special teams, they are just a very well-rounded, balanced uh, team. I think uh, Moss is going to have a really great game. Texas doesn't scare me. They've got so many injuries that they're dealing with still. And uh, Ellinger's just been a disappointment. And six points is not a big number. So I think Utah comes out and, and plays well. I know they were hoping for a playoff, but uh, a team like Utah where they, they're not really in the national spotlight as much as teams like, you know, Alabama and Michigan, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think they're going to be ready to get up for this game, uh, go out and, and, and put on a good show. And I think Utah takes this one pretty comfortably. I like that one. Um, I'm going to go uh, one that's a little bit brand, even though I'm going to take a, a side instead of a total. Ooh. Liberty is catching four points against Georgia Southern. S&P Plus actually has Liberty as a favorite in this game. Liberty features one of my favorite players in the entire country, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and have been relatively explosive at pa- like on the passing side. If I know they're playing without Buckshot Calvert at quarterback this game, but Gandy-Golden's still there. He can catch the ball from anyone throwing it. My issue with Georgia Southern, they run the ball 79% of wow. plays. And so, and they're a, a team that is really snail pace. Uh, if Georgia Southern falls behind early, they're going to have a very difficult time catching up. I think this is a spot where Liberty jumps out early, catches Georgia Southern sleeping a little bit. Um, and when they're ahead, Georgia Southern is going to have a difficult time playing from behind the whole game. Would you go money line on this one? Or is that four points? Maybe that, is that is that? I'm not. The problem is I'm not like Liberty's not a good team, <laughs> That's but they've got good pieces. Yeah. And the problem is that they could just as easily lose this game by three right. by being bad on defense. But I think that there's a chance that, uh, I mean, ooh, plus one forty five is a decent spot. I probably would at that number yeah. plus one. Yeah, if you see it anywhere above plus one forty five, you can probably get it as high as plus one sixty in some spots. I don't hate it. Um, I just think that there's a a spot for Liberty here. If you're doing like a uh, bowl pick 'em, and you're looking for somewhere to be a little bit contrarian, Liberty's a spot to be contrarian. Yeah, I, like, I like that. That's a that's a good one. Uh, my next one, I'm going BYU minus two versus Hawaii. The Cougars are 23 and eight all time against the Warriors, including last year's 49 to 23 win. Uh, BYU are four and one against the spread in the last five games against Hawaii. Uh, so I, I feel like those are all uh, kind of leaning me in the right direction here. I know BYU has struggled of late um, and Hawaii. Yeah, I, it's a tough one. Hawaii is at home. This is in Hawaii, of course. Uh, but, but I feel like BYU is going to get, get the best of them here. Hawaii are one in four against the spread uh, when playing as an underdog this year. So uh, just another little trend there that I, that I feel comfortable with. So BYU minus two, uh, is uh, my next one. All right. Um, I'm going to go with one with a team of players that just got arrested. <laughs> um, Utah State, Ken State. Uh, Utah State play, had a bunch of players arrested for weed over the weekend, which is sort of funny um, because it shouldn't matter. Um, so both of these teams are bottom 50 in offensive S&P Plus, which is sort of a strange thought when you realize how good Utah State was on offense last right. year. Um, they fell off with the loss of Matt Wells, and Jordan Love has not really been uh, as good this year. Fun fact: he was one of the players that I also was got arrested. He might not These be playing though. They don't know for sure yet, though, right? Uh, they said he is. As of earlier today, I thought they said he was going to play. Okay. Um, both these teams are below average in yards per play. They are at five point five. 
the average is 5.56, so I don't want to like lie about it and make it seem like they're way below average. But they're both slightly below average in yards per play. Kent State runs the ball 57.5% of plays. That will eat away at the clock. And when you've got a total that is in the upper 60s, you don't want the clock running. You want the clock to be stopped on uh, incomplete passes or first downs. And I think there's a decent chance that Kent State struggles um, to uh, really pass in this game. So uh, I like this spot to stay low. Yeah. There you go. I think that's a good one. Uh, I've got two left somehow. Um, I think because I, I don't know how. You missed yeah, I don't know what I did wrong there. Sorry about that. But they're both ones that I've. That's all right. One of them. They're, they're both ones I've already talked about. I've got Bama minus seven versus Michigan. Uh, I thought this was kind of surprising. Uh, against the spread, these teams were not great. Michigan was seven and five against the spread, and Alabama was six and six. I did not realize that they were both. I mean, Michigan. That doesn't surprise me, but I didn't realize uh, Bama was uh, was struggling in that category. But I think. Bam well, was bad I think it's just the, the Tua injury, I think, affected a lot of those numbers. Uh, but but still, I'm, I'm rolling with Bam on this one. Uh, I feel I feel pretty good about that one. This is the one that makes me that is the one that makes me a little bit nervous after reading Bill Connolly's article. <laughs> so uh, so if you uh, if you believe in the uh, in narrative street with uh, people coming out flat because it's not the type of bowl game that they were hoping for, uh, maybe don't do that one. But I, I don't. And I'm going to roll with that one. Uh, the, the next one. I mean, my last one is Oklahoma plus 14. As I mentioned, uh, LSU was a number three offense in the country. We all know that. But did you know that Oklahoma was number five? Uh, I think OU can lose big and still get that backdoor cover, like I said. Um, and this is crazy. Statistically, the University of Oklahoma had a better pass defense than LSU. Uh, you may not think that given what we see and hear on the news. But of course, a lot of that is also because OU gives up a million yards a game on the ground. Uh, however, uh, with those uh, those things in mind, I, I think Oklahoma is able to keep it close enough. Oklahoma are five and one against the spread in the last six games as an opponent as a, when facing uh, the SEC. They are seven and two in the last nine when playing as an underdog. So uh, I think those trends uh, kind of are are nice to look at when looking at Oklahoma in this spot as both an underdog playing the SEC uh, with such a huge number. I. I know you pointed out that Stevenson is going to be out for the Sooners, but I think uh, most of their damage is going to come in the passing game anyway. And Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Hurts will be able to run the ball enough uh, to keep uh, things respectable to open up some of that that play action. So I feel pretty good about this one uh, just because the number is, is really big. If this number continues to go down and we're looking at plus 12, uh, I'm going to avoid it. I want those two, two touchdowns. Uh, in my favor in order to feel comfortable. So at 14, I still feel good. I see you have added one to the list here. Let's hear your last one, Matthew. This is a pure effort. I I wanted to balance it out, and it's a team that I haven't gotten to pick much this year. Um, I'm going to go Wyoming and Georgia State over 48. Um, S&P Plus has this game at 55. I like that spot. Wyoming's not a terrible team. Uh, I don't think they're good. But I also don't think they're bad. So I think they're going to be able to score some points against Georgia State. Yeah. I like it. So I think... Sorry, that was really, really, really generic and terrible analysis. But that's about how I see it. Well, it's a low number. You know, 48 is a pretty low number for college football standards. So I I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I need to go 5-2 and this week to to end the year uh, at 500. And I plan on going 7-0. So it's perfect. I'll have a nice, Boom. a nice end to the college football season. On and right under number. It'll be good. I got to pull those numbers up and see. Where, I think I just have to not go like 
<laughs> right. Yeah. You've had a nice strong year. I went seven. You've had yeah. a strong year. But you know, you for the for the title first you and Jordan, like you gotta keep your your winning percentage up, you know? Like uh you Well, Liberty's winning outright. Uh Washington's winning by fifty four. Right. Ohio State's winning outright. Central Michigan's gonna score a hundred points on their own. You got um, this locked. Utah State is Utah State is gonna leave Jordan Love at home because he smells of weed. Um and then Somehow Kent State still won't be able to score. And then uh, Wyoming is just going to, they might not want my <laughs> No, I like it. I think it, I think it's good. Um, yeah, we've got Christmas next week. Um, and then, of course, after that, we have New Year's. Uh, we will be back with you sometime in 2020, uh, within the first couple of days, I imagine. Uh, so, so you won't have to wait all that long. But we are going to enjoy the holidays with our families and have a grand old time watching football. And we will be back to speak with you all in the new year. Matthew, is there any anything you want to leave the good people with? Um, keep an eye out on Rotoviz. It looks like there's going to be a prospect preview series starting to roll out over the next few days. Yes, I was going to mention that. Thank you so much. I know you are uh, you're writing up on Etienne, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I've got a few people marked on Etienne's yeah. one of them. I'm going to talk trash about him. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's my running back one. Um, but yeah, I will have an article out on Etienne in the next couple of yeah, days. I'll be, I'll be running a couple of those too. Not near as many as Matt, I'm sure. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll be getting in there as well. So yeah, do be checking for those. Uh, you can find those over on Rotoviz. Um, and of course, I'm sure we'll be tweeting those out from our, from our accounts and, uh, from the, the Rotoviz account as well on Twitter, uh, the Rotoviz, uh, college football podcast account on twitter as well so be looking for those enjoy football enjoy the new year enjoy christmas enjoy all the things have an awesome day matthew thank you so much uh pleasure as always my friend i will speak to you well as i say i'll speak to you in the new year but i know we'll be texting back and forth you'll speak to me after the uh ohio state we'll be yeah yeah, yeah. we'll be we'll be going back and forth for sure cool well that's it for now we will talk to you all again next year Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.